Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. He's a man who's done all sorts, Mitch. Uh, he's a mental skills coach working with the Scottish rugby team, working with the Chiefs. Uh, He's worked with others as well. So if you've got a question for Aaron Walsh, our next guest, a mental skills coach, get them through to us on double eight double three. I believe uh, Aaron is there now. Good morning, mate. How are you? Yeah, good morning. Thank you. Doing well, thanks. That's a story, mate. We just had uh, Brad Weber on, actually, in the last hour. He was uh, praising your golf game. Said you went pretty well. Oh, I got it right. got it right. Um, yeah, love it. But, you know, battle away every now and then. Battle away. Surely you yeah, don't battle. a bit of a... Nah, he's a bit of a um, dark horse old Spud Webb. He's a very, very solid little golfer. Hole in one, I think, at Tiki, the first man to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He shot under par there. So his game is uh, plenty good enough. He, he said he gets a little bit nervous around you on the golf course, feeling like you're, you're just quietly sledging him through telepathy. <laughs> Probably not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you've got, use what you, you got to use what you can, don't you? Yeah, you do. I mean, you know, as given somebody who does what you do, Aaron, uh, you know, when you are competing with someone else, like, you know, playing with guys who are elite athletes at a game of golf, do you use that as a, as a mental edge a little bit? You know, I mean, there's a lot of smack talking, I imagine, goes on on the tee. Do you, do you kind of uh, yeah, no, look, for, not, look for the cracks in the armour? Yeah, not really. I just sort of try and figure out what I'm trying to do. I've got enough issues going on in my own game to worry about everyone else's. <laughs> oh, bloody good, Walshy. Thanks for joining us this morning, mate. Um, thought it'd be really great. Obviously, leading off the back of Brad, um, he said we asked him a question just around how important it was to have a mental skills coach. He said it should be the first person after the head coach to really basically be be employed by an organisation. Um, he spoke about um, planning and planning guys when they get injured and returning back to full fitness. I had no idea that was part of the, the realm that you guys worked within. Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, what you discover is, you know, these guys, um, as you know, when you were playing, mate, you're pretty dedicated um, to what you're doing. And when you get a major injury, I think the biggest challenge for a lot of athletes is it's sort of a bit of a wake-up call around where their really identity sits. And I think you could probably uh, relate to this, Mitch, like, you know, you see yourself as a human first, but then when you start to get further and further into your sport, you start to get really, really good at it. Everybody else acknowledges that. Then all of a sudden, that subtle identity shift can go, I'm valuable if I play well. Mm. You know, I'm a good man if I can perform. Um, and then when that's taken away from you, what do you got left? So I think, you know, as they navigate through, say, a long-term injury or re- return to play, I think sometimes what you're navigating through is more than just the injury, but also what the injury means to how they mentally feel about themselves. Mm. And I think that's probably a really important part of, of getting back on the field. Yeah, I, I guess the other part of that too is, you know, and I don't expect you to talk about individuals per se, but, yeah, yeah. you know, for, for some, I look at it, someone like Sam Kane, right, who um, has had a few injury problems, he's had head knocks, yeah, yeah. his neck, neck and shoulder injuries. I mean, going into contact for him has got to, you know, there's got to be some questions come into his mind when it, when it comes to coming back and going into that serious contact. How do you deal with that sort of thing? 
Yeah, I think yes and no. Um, yes, I think there's always the first game is going to be a bit of a challenge, like you've got to navigate through that. But I think the rehab now, it does such a good job. It's not like your first bit of contact is in your first game. Hmm. Back, you know, you're like, you'll be on your knees, then you'll be... So it's always incremental, the contact. So I think by the time they get to return to play, they should have enough evidence in the tank that, you know, my body's okay. I've done all the work that I've required to do. I've passed all the testing. I've gone through all the contact drills. Now I can just go out and play, which sounds great in theory, but there's always, I suppose, that first tackle, first carry, first clean out where you go, okay, well, let's see what we've got here. Well, she, there's always um, a lot of, or there is a lot of chat um, now about mental health and, and that likes of depression and players going through that at certain stages of their career. Is, how do you, in a group environment, is there a way that you can actually pinpoint who looks like they're out of sync? And is that your role to identify and then try and help them with those problems? Um, probably not my role so much. Certainly they identify. I'm not a mental health expert, so we always have resources available. You know, I'm probably more of a performance specialist, but it's a bit like any relationship you have with people that you care about. Um, you're always going to pick up cues, aren't you? Like, And I think that's the whole thing about mental health. Mental health is happening every day. We're always having mental health conversations, so those should continue. I think there's a pretty fine line where you go, okay, now this actually requires someone with a lot of expertise mm. and expertise that I don't possess. Um, but I think the best thing is, like, if you've got good, strong relationships within your environment with the players and with the staff, I think you should be able to um, at least, you know, check in with people and just see what's going on. But um, as we all know, um, as humans, we're quite good at hiding that sort of stuff, aren't we, to preserve our sense of, um, you know, we're all right, everything's going okay. Now, hopefully those walls are starting to come down more and more. And I guess a lot of players, you know, someone like Michael Hooper this year, right, just going off a tour to look after himself. Well, hopefully that's an awesome example of, you know, that we actually can have mature conversations around this. It's not about being soft or hard, that it's actually about being human and that we are going to take hits from time to time. And, you know, that's a challenge. In your role, because I guess you, the longer you're with an organisation, the more and more you get used uh, by the players and all that kind of stuff. Do you, do you think there's like there's ever a balancing point that you have come across where players have become too reliant and putting working with you on certain things and not taking like full ownership of like what's actually happening on their own performance? Yeah, I think um, I think you know uh, that's certainly a possibility. But I think if you're trying to do the job in a way that's beneficial to the players. Your ultimate goal is self-sufficiency, not dependency. Mm. So like, I don't feel like I'm doing my work well if I create dependent athletes. That means that I'm not giving them the tools that they need to be self-sufficient because, as you know, like I don't travel you know, with the team every week or other things come up. So these guys have got to be able to manage themselves. So my job is to provide you know, the knowledge, the tools, and the support so actually become self-sufficient so if they started seeing me less I don't see that as a slight particularly if I've been working with them for a while I actually see that as all right good they're they're actually got a good understanding of what they need to do and then they might check in every now and then. It's like you instill those those skills uh, in them that they can kind of self-manage to an extent Aaron. Um, We did have a text through from Tim who said you know you've gone into lots of different sporting environments in your career um, and you yeah. know you've you've covered different types of sports as well, um, mm. but you know what is the most common um, first, I guess, t- 
question you have or uh, the, the most common thing that you come across that when you're dealing with athletes for the first time that they want to know about or they want to improve? Well, I think they, they recognise, like, it's an interesting thing is that, you know, in my work, you know, I probably hear two common themes, which is, hey, um, the first one is it makes a big difference makes a big difference to my performance. But the second one's probably the one that will answer your question more. I wish I'd started it earlier. Mm. Mm. So I think there's a there's now a real hunger out there um, for these guys to go, okay, well, I actually want to do something with this. And you know, what's quite refreshing is like I've got a new role the last year or the last actually few months with Scotland. And what was really cool in that environment was that quite a few of the older players engaged. And, you know, you, you know, sort of there's sometimes a bit of a narrative, you know, they know what they're doing, but it's actually the opposite. Like they might have two or three years left in their career. Here's an area that they haven't explored yet. So why don't we go dive deep into this and make the last couple of years of their career the best that they could be because they've, you know, added to their uh, performance repertoire another foundation that helps them. That's, that's really interesting. I guess part, part of that performance repertoire is the ability to deal with pressure. Um, I guess you've done a lot of lot of work around dealing with pressure and what pressure is. Uh, what's what's that mean to you, Walshy? Well, I mean, I think once you there's a couple of things you've got to identify where pressure is coming from, hmm. and so I talk about three probably major causes of pressure, and I'm just talking about here in a in a sporting context. There's obviously different ones in life, but I think you you could probably recognise these. Number one is the expectation and the question that is normally revolving around people's head is a really big question. Am I going to be good enough? Mm. And so that expectation often produces anxiety and worry. And, um, you know, am I going to be able to deliver on what I'm capable of? Um, the second one is judgment. And I reckon the question going around that is, what will people think of me if I'm not good enough? And that's a human side, right? And you know how powerful that is now with, you know, unfortunately, I think at times everybody having a voice through social media, it's mm. not like, you know, 20 years ago where the guy on the Herald wrote the one article about your performance and that was it. Yeah, now so you've true. got every, every man and his dog's got an opinion on your performance. So judgment's real. And then the third one is consequence. So that being what will happen to me if I'm not good enough. And that might be about selection. And then, you know, that sort of boils down and begins to roll. Like if I'm not selected, I might not get a contract. If I don't get a contract, how am I going to make my money? If I don't make my money, I might not. You know, about to buy the house or pay the mortgage, and all of a sudden you're going out to play, thinking about whether you're going to be able to hold on to your house or not, which is a terrible mental state to be able to, to try and deliver from. Um, so, to me, they're the, probably the three main ones, Mitch. And then, obviously, once you've identified what ones people relate to, and there's normally a combo of everything, it's then coming up with different tools to help them navigate when those things arise. Not not trying to avoid it, not trying to push it to the side but actually embracing it saying yeah I am feeling anxious around expectation okay well how do I deal with that well you know one of the the phrases I like to use is action is a great antidote to anxiety so what actions am I going to take this week to make sure when I hop off the bus on a sad day I'm confident I'm calm and I'm clear and I'm ready to go and then you sort of build your week back from there so it would be an example of how we begin to put the tools into play. Oh, that's that's good, and I guess I guess for people listening um, on the radio, if they're they're coming back from Saturday sport with their with their son or their daughter uh, doing the old debrief um, <laughs> with their kids, so, you know, everyone's been through that before. Um, you know, what kind of things can parents help with, or or understand that they maybe shouldn't touch on, or they should touch on with their kids? 
I reckon the best thing to do is to ask your kid. Like, I've got a 13-year-old son who is an absolute cricket nut. Like, plays it on PlayStation, why he's watching test matches from 10 years ago and thinking about batting. Like, he's just loves it. <laughs> Love it. And just, abs- you know, just obsessed. And I asked him one day, hey, mate, when I'm at the game, what do you want me to say? And he said, I just want you to clap when I hit really good shots. Yeah. I was like, sweet, that's my role. <laughs> yeah, done. Like, they know. They know what they want from you. It's, it's when we, when, I think what happens, mate, is we sit, a lot of people sit with the other parents it's little Johnny out there, and they actually have their ego atta- attached to the ability of their children to perform. It's, and it's so sad, mm. but they want their kid to be the best, or they want their kid to be better than, you know, Ricky's kid, or, you know, or Frank's kid, or, you know, like it's just a, I think it's driven. And then when they don't perform, unfortunately, that horrible car ride home becomes the place the parent vents their own frustration. And I just think, I don't, I don't know if you ask any kid, is that what they want? Mm. Yeah, I, it definitely wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what, about, what about the next step on from that then? Say, you know, you've got a kid yeah. who, who's uh, who, who's got to that next level and, you know, can perform in front of parents and, uh, and a few spectators and things, but they get to that next level uh, where they might be playing in front of cameras and in front of media. Um, how do you prepare yeah. them for that? Um, it's a good question. I think you have to acknowledge it's going to feel different. Like, I think sometimes... I remember when we were working back in baseball and there was a World Series um, and, you know, the players, some of the players, I'm just going to treat it like another game. And they got into the first game of the World Series like, this is not like any game I've ever played. Mm. And so I reckon the key is to acknowledge the um, situation or to acknowledge the occasion, like actually embrace like, hey, this is going to feel different, but I have a process or I have some tools or I have some ways of dealing with that rather than getting shocked when it arrives and go, man, I didn't think I would feel overwhelmed. Well, have you ever played in front of 30,000 people? No, you haven't. It's gonna, you, you can't prepare for that, but you can acknowledge it hmm. and then go into the things that you do well and be, become quite comfortable with that after a while. That makes, um, I, I guess, your job, what you do, that that's where you've got a plan because everybody's different. You know, you hear about it from coaches as well where they go into a dressing room and they go, you identify there are guys that need an arm around them to get the best out of them and there are guys that yep. need a rocket up them that need to, to, to get the best out of them. I mean, how much of that is your gig as well and then helping the coaches identify how to deal with people? Oh, massive, massive. I mean, ultimately, the point of coaching is to maximise the capability of the person you have in front of you, right? Mm. And in order to do that, you have to understand what makes that person tick and also what makes them good and so you know like a, a way of doing this is like you know and I've appreciated a lot of the coaches I've worked with in the last few years they were been very focused on their strengths so you know like we talk about belief imagine having belief trying to develop authentic belief and all you hear from your coach is everything you do wrong mm. this doesn't work right so the coaches need to understand and like particularly head coaches and I've been honestly blessed to have some, some really good head coaches I've worked with and I always remind them you know at the end of the day, when they're lying in bed at night, it's the conversation that they have with you that they'll play on repeat. So what do you want that conversation to be? That's a really good point. Um, on that, I guess, who, who throughout your career have you enjoyed working with the most? Jeez, what a great question. Um, you know, someone that I, and, and you'll probably appreciate this, Mitch, someone I really enjoyed working with was Mark O'Donnell. Yeah. And he's different, like he's mod, but I just love the way he went about his business in a really relaxed, he respected 
the player's ability to function. You know, like he wouldn't he wouldn't be overbearing. Um, he gave them room, but also at the same time, if guys weren't performing, he would do it in a way which was clear and direct, but also had a, a lot of a lot of empathy attached. Um, and also, I mean, you know, I'm working, you know, with the Chiefs now. And I just, I've really enjoyed working alongside someone like Clayton McMillan, who just has the ability to really connect with the group and take them on a journey somewhere, which I think is a really important quality. Like to be able to go collectively, this is what we're going to do together, and this is how we're going to do it. So that's a, probably a couple that, um, you know, come off the top of my mind. But, you know, Mod in particular was just, I just love the way that he went about his business. Yeah, he's a, he's a great man. He was a great influence on my career as well there, Walshie. Um, thank you very much for your time today, mate. That's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Uh, we've had lots of questions coming through. We're not going to get to them just now. But, mate, um, wish you all the best with Scottish rugby. Hopefully they don't uh, yeah. upset the All Blacks at the World Cup. <laughs> and, and, geez, isn't that a tough one? I, I mean, we played them at Murrayfield the other week, and I, um, I got interviewed, and they said, oh, you know, how do you feel about it? I said, oh, I'm Scottish that week. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we know if we do so, lose, so, it's your fault. Yeah, I mean, the All Blacks are always going to be a team I love and support, and, you know, obviously work with quite a few of them. Um, but just for one game a year, I might, you know, have my um, allegiances go another way. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, mate, you won't be able to return back to Tauranga, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be a bad problem. <laughs> no, wouldn't be a bad problem at all, Aaron. Hey, good stuff, mate. Thanks very much for coming on. Yep. Uh, go well and uh, enjoy guys. the rest of your summer, eh? Appreciate it. Have a good summer. Yeah, you too, man. You too. Aaron Walsh there with us, mental skills coach with the Chiefs and with Scottish rugby as well. Worked with the Texas Rangers too. He's done uh, so much in his career. It is 22 past nine here on Breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day.